0: Father, uh, I thank you for, for, um, uh, for Pablo and, and, and Anna and, and for their faithfulness and uh, just their willingness to come here today and to share um, the good news of Jesus and to challenge us. And I, I just pray that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit and he would be obedient to speak the words that you have given him for us and that our hearts would be open to receive um, and just that you would be glorified through this time. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Dwayne, for giving me the opportunity to be here. It's a a privilege. It's an honor. I am absolutely humbled to be able to stand in front of all of you, and thank you for giving us this opportunity. As Pastor mentioned, I am traveling with my whole family. We are five. It's uh, my wife. Uh, I don't know. uh, She is Diego's daughter and we are traveling with our three kids, our three children. I have my oldest daughter, Natalia, she's nine. Uh, and then I have a boy, Santiago, he's four years old. And Lydia, She is three years old. And we are doing a, a quite a, a lot of traveling here in the United States. We have been here a month already, and we have a, more, a month more to be here. We started in California. Uh, in the San Francisco area, right before all the fires, all that break out. Uh, then we, we went to Missouri. From Missouri, we stopped by a couple of days by Mechanicsburg. And we got to spend with Pastor Paul Kurtz, there, roasting coffee and packing. Then we get to go to Indiana, to the beautiful church uh, asylum fellowship in Goshen. And now God is giving us the opportunity to come here. And we have a lot of more traveling ahead of us. We are going to go to New York. We're going to stop by Delaware, South Carolina, and we end up uh, in November in Florida for three weeks. So after all this cold weather, we are going to go to Florida, to the beach, you know, just coming more close to our when we are using Nicaragua. Nicaragua, we never get this cold. So Nicaragua, when, when the temperature goes down to 65, 69, that's the coldest we get everybody start wearing like snow coats and scarves and the poor babies, they, can, they don't even walk with all the layers that the parents put on them. So for us, it's, it's all new. So if you see like three little Hispanic children running around, those are probably mine. Uh, and we are also traveling with a missionary, Brooklyn Simmons. You, you will be able to get to meet her. She is probably uh, in the back of the table. Uh, she is from Florida and she has been involved in the ministry since 2008 and she has two years living in Nicaragua. So when we were planning this trip, uh, I knew that uh, we were going to need a designated driver for all the driving we were going to do. So we asked her to come along and she, she voluntarily, she came and uh, of course she is from Florida she is more scared than us about driving. If, if it's snow or something like that, she's freaking out. So any tips about to how handle cold weather will be appreciated. Um, now, as you can tell, English is not my first language. Spanish is my first language. So you will need to endure my charming Hispanic accents for the next half hour. Um, and I honestly, I, I, I really... Apologize if I say something that it's uh, not pronounced properly. I don't do it on purpose. I don't want to butcher your language. I'm doing my best. My wife, she speaks perfect English, and she's taking notes all the time with everything that I said wrong. And after the service, we sit down and have a debrief meeting with her. So uh, if you have your Bibles and you can open it, Let's go to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9, and we are going to read verses 35 through 38. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. And here we are going to see a little bit of, of the ministry of Jesus, what he was doing, because we are called to be the church, and that's something we need to remember. We are his church. Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church. And that's what he has been doing for the last 2,000 years. He has been building his church. Now, if you have it in your Bible, let's read it. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. And the Bible says, And Jesus was going about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease, and every kind of sickness and seeing the multitudes he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd then he said to his disciples the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few therefore beseech the lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest that's what jesus said so let's let's pray and i'm gonna pray in spanish with your permission señor te damos gracias por la oportunidad que tenemos de estar aquí reunidos en tu nombre y en esta mañana yo pido espíritu santo que nos hables que prepares nuestros corazones para recibir lo que tienes para cada uno de nosotros te alabamos y glorificamos y lo pedimos en el nombre de jesús in jesus name we pray amen Amen. Now, in this passage, Jesus is, 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 is going to all the cities and villages. And this is something I love. He goes everywhere where he was needed, where the gospel was needed, where the message of hope and light was needed. So he went to the cities, to the villages, to the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and while we, we, we will be talking this morning, I'm going to be sharing a little bit of the ministry in Nicaragua. The ministry in Nicaragua, we we are planting churches, and we are doing it all over, whatever is needed, in the cities, but also in the villages, also in the rural areas. And that's something we need to realize. We have to be a church that is courageous enough, that is willing to go whatever the Lord is sending us to go. As church, we need to remember the church is not these four walls. The church is you, it's me, it's all the people around the world that we gather in Jesus' name. That's the church. You are the church. And you take the church with you when you are on your work side, when you are studying. And, and, and that's something we need to realize. The church is about to go to the world. It's not about just common worship. Common worship is a great part and it's an essential part of our church life. But, the, but we need to remember it's important for the church to go out to, to be willing to go wherever the Lord is sending us to go. The ministry started, and when we speak about the ministry, we need to link it back to Pastor, what Pastor Dwayne was mentioning. Back in the 70s, in the middle of Matagalpa, in the villages, in the middle of nowhere, it was no, a, a Christian church, it was, the gospel was not preached in those communities. And in those communities, in those mountains, were the place where my father-in-law Diego was born. And all of them were growing up in the mountains. And one day, a few Americans, white-skinned people, kind of blonde. Back in those days, all of them had a lot of hair, because I've seen pictures. A lot of hair back in the 70s. They show up in the middle of the valley, in the middle of those in that village. And they just decided to stay there. So all the ones were like, okay, what's going on here? They walk along with the people. They start to make friendships, to make relationships. They started to, to, to share the good news, to share the gospel, but they were living with them. They were building the first health center in the community, the first school in the community. They were planting seeds without knowing what exactly is going to happen. Without knowing what is the Lord going to do with those seeds that they were planting. That's how my wife's family became to know the Lord. They became believers with them. Now, today, I am absolutely honored that Larry and Dad are here. They were part of that wave of missionaries that you guys sent to Nicaragua. They were not in Matagalpa. They were in Teustepe. And I am sorry for them because Matagalpa is way more beautiful than Teustepe. But it's when you are willing to go, whatever the Lord sends you, and you are faithful doing your job, you plant the seed. just never know what the Lord is going to do. You have no idea what is going to happen. You can, they, after, afterwards, after a few years, they needed to come back to the United States. And for many, many years, they didn't get to know what happened with all the seeds that they planted. We are driving this morning from Hartville, Ohio. We spent a couple nights with a family there, with Andy and Ruth Troyer. And they, Andrew Troyer was one of the persons that they, he was there in the community with my in-laws family sharing Jesus. And he was, and we were viewing some of the pictures back in the day. And he was telling me, when when they went back to Nicaragua, like 20 years later, without knowing anything, for them was surprising to see what God has been doing. God is building His church. Jesus is building His church. When we are willing to go, when we are willing to go and plant those seeds and being faithful, we just trust the Lord that His Word is not going to return empty that he is going to do something. When you expose a culture, a nation, a valley, a village, a city, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, transformation is going to come. Maybe not the way we think or as fast as we may want, but we know that transformation is going to come because there is more power in the light than in the darkness. There is more power in Jesus than in the whole world together. That's why we need to keep in our hearts and make it part of ourselves. He is building his church. Because we are living in a world that is upside down right now. We are living in a world that people is calling all the bad things, they are calling it good. And all the good things, they are calling it bad. But don't panic, church. He is building his church. And the Church of Jesus Christ is a church that is alive. It's a church that is victorious. It's a church that doesn't matter what happens in the world. We are going to see the redemption. We are going to see Jesus Christ coming back as a king. So we need to take courage in that. That's why we need to be willing. We need to be courageous to go whatever the Lord is sending us. Fast forward as pastor said, has been 32 churches has been planted in the mountains through the ministry. And you know how the ministry started? I was pastoring a church in Managua starting a church plant. And one day my father-in-law called me. And he told me, Pablo, you know here in Matagalpa in at the farm we have this little chapel. It's just a, a little room. Uh, maybe you can see maybe 20 people at the most. And this This building was dedicated as a church, but nobody's using it. Nobody's preaching. Nobody's reaching out to this community. And he told me, since you're a pastor, let's start a church here. I will hire a a, a few of the pastors in the valley that I know, and they are not ministering right now, and we will include them in the payroll of the farm, but their full-time job description will be plant a church. Reach out. Go and preach the gospel. So when I heard that, I said, yeah, that sounds good to me. I'm struggling consolidating the church in Managua, and now we will have a daughter church in Matagalpa. And in my mind, I thought, well, that means that maybe I need to go a couple times a year. Those are seasoned pastors, so it's not like they are going to need a lot of attention. So I said, yes, let's do it. Come on, it's going to look good. Six months later, that little church was way bigger than the church that I had in Managua. And they were doing good because of the faithfulness, because of the willingness of one man saying, Jesus is first. I am willing to sacrifice myself, my finances, my life with as long as the gospel moves forward. And that's what Diego did. After that, those three pastors, it's a little church. Two of them took off and planted two more churches in the mountains. Um, Then we decided with my wife to move to Nicaragua, to Matagalpa, I'm sorry, and plant the church in Matagalpa. And now there are 32 churches that has been planting. But everything started with one person saying, I am willing to give what I have. I am willing to give what the Lord has given to me. And because of that faithfulness, thousands of people has been reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are here for something bigger. We are here for something even higher. Jesus went to all the cities and villages sharing the good news. And sometimes I've been sharing this because a lot of times people ask me, Pablo, I don't feel bad about my last name, Pastor. Paolo, my last name is hard even for Hispanics. My last name is, uh, my full name, if you want to know, is Pablo Javier Luisiga Salazar. So, uh, Pablo is good enough. So, people come and tell me, Pastor Pablo, why do you choose to plant churches in such a remote areas? Why do you choose to plant churches in villages located in places that it's so hard to access? Because some of those churches, you have to drive, and you have to drive for two, three hours. Then you park your car, and then you get your rubber boots on and start hiking up the mountain for a couple hours. And you get into the top of the mountain. In the top of the mountain, you see a building, and you see no houses around. You see nobody there. It's just the the church building. That's the kind of communities where a lot of the churches have been planted. And you ask, okay, but who's going to come to this church? There is not community around. Oh, people will come. And you're there on a Sunday morning and people walk and people ride horses. Some people walk for half hour, one hour, ride horses for one hour just to make it to church. And when we see that, we recognize that's the place where the Lord sent us. That's where they were needing the gospel. That's the place where they were needing Jesus the most. If you ask me. Me, Pablo, I'm a city boy. I'm not a farm. That's one of the things I've been. My father-in-law has been trying to teach me how to do farming stuff, and I still have way too much to learn. Uh, if you ask me, where should we plant the next church? You know, my, myself, I would say, well, let's go to the city. Let's find a nice coffee shop and plant the church next to the coffee shop. So after church, we just go jump from the church to the air conditioning of the coffee shop and but that's, not, that's not what the Lord has planned to go wherever the Lord is needed where the gospel is needed the most Jesus went to every city, to every village teaching and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and seeing the multitudes he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast, like sheep without a shepherd. Looking at the multitudes, he was moved to compassion. That's what we have to be as church. We have to be a compassionate church. Just look around. Look around your own community, your own cities, your own country. When we see this, the, the, the world where we are living today, we need to be moved to compassion. A lot of us, our reaction is to be angry with what, all what is happening instead of being moved to compassion. All that people around ourselves, that they are lost and they are doing a lot of bad things, they need Jesus. That's what they need the most. They need Jesus. Jesus looked at them and he saw that they were uh, distressed They were downcast like sheep without a shepherd. That's how the world is right now. It's a lot of people walking around like sheep without a shepherd. But he is our good shepherd. He is our shepherd. That's what the people need to recognize. That Jesus is our shepherd. But we need to learn to see. The multitudes first. A lot of times, we don't want to see the needs of the people. Have you noticed that when you are walking um, uh, in a big city or you're walking down the street and you run into somebody that is begging for food, that is begging for something? You know what our first natural reaction is? Don't look. Don't make eye contact. If if you are walking down the street and you see someone like asking for something, you don't want to look. You see, Look at the clouds. And you start, or you turn and start talking to somebody, but you don't want to talk. You want to ignore completely the need of that person because it's dangerous to look. It's dangerous to make eye contact because in the moment that you make that eye contact and you see the need, you may feel compassion. You may be moved. To do something. And that's something that we need to learn as church. As church, I'm talking the church in the whole world. To see the needs of the people around us. To see the state where they are. To see all the struggles they are going through in their families, in their marriages, in their finances, with their kids, with their parents. And then be moved to something. Be a compassionate church. And then Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. I'm going to say just a couple things there. A lot of times as church, we pray for souls. We pray for more people to come to the church. But here Jesus is telling us not to pray for that. But to pray for workers, for laborers. When you open your eyes and you see your community and you see your country and you see the world, you will realize that the fields are ready to be harvested. What we need the most are workers, are laborers, volunteers. And a lot of times we think that the one who needs to do that is the pastor, is is the worship leader, is the people that it's up front but the church is you as well. It's all of us as body of Christ working together. I couldn't be here in front of you if those missionaries didn't come to Nicaragua back in the 70s. And I myself, I am here as a product of missions. I was born and raised in Costa Rica, in San Jose. San Jose is a big city, and I, I was growing up in, not in the nice part of the city. I was growing up in the hoods of the city. I was growing up in a part of the city where drugs ran down the street. Murders were common. Drug-related crime in general was every day present in my life when I was growing up. And I was not born in a Christian home. A lot of people, when they share testimonies, they say, well, I, I grew up in church. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know the gospel. My father was an alcoholic. And that's all what I knew. When I was growing up, it was not much hope for me. Everybody that looked at me would say, well, he will be one number more in all these statistics. What is going to happen? All the odds were against me. And once in the middle of, of all the madness that was surrounding my home, somebody came into my neighborhood, knocked the door. And when my mom opened the door, it was a few missionaries there from the United States in the middle of that dangerous neighborhood of the city. And you know what they told my mom? Excuse me, lady, we're having a a Bible vacation school in the the church down the street, and we are wondering if you have any kids that you would like to send. So she looked at me. I was five at the moment. I have a brother of six and I have another brother of eight. And he looked at us, all the three boys. We were... Rowdy, we were mischievous, all you can imagine of boys. And she looked at us and says, yes, these three, please take them. How long is it going to take? Just two hours, but make it five. So we all went, and we kept going for the whole week. And at the very end, in that vacation school, somebody shared the good news of Jesus Christ. And I heard about hope. And I heard about life, that it was different than what I knew. And I was one of a lot of children that I rose my hand and I said, I need this Jesus in my heart, in my family. And I kept coming to church after that activity. One day the pastor called me and says, I need to talk to your father. So I went home and I brought my father. My father spent hours talking to that pastor. And my father gave his life to Christ. He was healed from his alcoholism immediately. Later on, my mom started to come to church as well. My father started to preach in refugee camps in Costa Rica. My father is Nicaraguan by birth. He went to the refugee camps where all the people that were moved from the war. He started preaching and the Lord called him to ministry. He became a pastor. I was maybe 10 years old when I went from the neighborhood without hope to be a pastor kid. Spending my days at the altar. I preached my first sermon when I was 12. My father later on, he ran a ministry teaching young ministers. He has discipled a lot of pastors. I am doing my part. I am running my race. I am fighting my fight. But everything started with that team that came into my house. I don't know where they came from. I don't know where they came from. I don't know the state or the name of the church. I don't know anything about it. Right now, maybe some of them are looking back and says, oh, that missions trip that we did in the middle of the 80s was such a waste of money, was such a waste of time, was such a waste time. I wish I could run into them and tell them, hey, it was not a waste. When you are a church that is courageous, that is compassionate, and it's committed, you have no idea what God is going to do. I am doing my part. This is your time as well. United States, through the 20th century, you guys, your commitment was and has been so strong that you were the most, and you are the most generous church. Not only giving money, because it's not about money. It's never been about money. It's about giving the best that you have. Your talents, your time, and throughout all 20th century, you gave also a lot of your youth to the nations. You sent missionaries all over Latin America, to Africa, Asia, all over the world, was reached thanks to the United States. And I don't know if you ever thought about it, because probably you see lots of missionaries coming in and raising funds and and asking and, and telling about the world, about the needs, about the missions. But I can look at you at the eye and tell you, here I am, a Hispanic pastor. I was reached by missionaries. Thanks. you, Thanks to your generosity. Thanks to your commitment, to your compassion, to your courage. Church, this is not the time to stop. Let's turn this world upside down with the power of the gospel. Let's turn this world upside down with the name of Jesus. And now we recognize it's our turn as well. We are promoting a Project Vida. There's a table in the back. We have some some coffee, Cafe Diego, is going to be available for you if you want to support. That All the proceeds of that coffee are helping us to keep going, keep going. Getting to the next church. I just want to tell you one more thing. This is our time. Larry and Dot, and many others, Paul and Grace, and a lot of friends and family that we have known here. You have done so much. But now it's our time. And I want to invite you, church. Keep that in mind. It's our time. We can do the best with what God has given to us. We are planting churches and we are training leaders. And we, as Nicaraguans, we want to send missionaries also to the nations. The harvest is ready. Jesus, once walking with his disciples, he said, Hey, look at the fields. The fields are white. If he was walking down a, a coffee plantation, he would say, Hey, the fields are red. Because that's how coffee turns is red when it's ready to be harvested. The harvest is ready. When Diego walks around the plantation and he sees all the coffee in the plants, he knows that the harvest is coming. But then a few beans start turning red. Just a few, not a, not a whole harvest is coming, just a few of them. And when he sees that just a few beans are turning red, you know what he does? He hires some pickers. And he hires only good pickers, the best ones. And they go around the plantation and they, everything is done by hand. And they are like little machines. And they, they, they collect as much coffee as possible. At that stage when he needs only five, he gets the best pickers. But when the harvest reach the peak, and you walk around the plantation, everything is red. Diego's heart starts to pump. The harvest is ready. The harvest needs to be picked. You know what he thinks? We need workers. We need laborers. If we don't find the pickers, all this crop is going to fall and it's going to get rotten, it's going to get lost. We need laborers, we need workers. And you know what he told me once, Pablo? When we are at that stage, everybody's welcome to come and pick. I don't care if you're a good picker or a bad picker. I don't care if you can walk or you cannot walk. I don't care if you come in crouches, if you need glasses, if you if you only have one eye, if you only have one hand. I don't care. Everybody's welcome because we need to pick as much coffee as possible because every single bean that is being picked is a being that has been saved. That's what the Lord is saying. The harvest is plentiful. Is ready, and what we need are laborers. There's room for everybody. There's room for you to do your part in the kingdom. Working with children, with youth, doing something. This is our time. I would like to close in prayer. And I will pray first in English, and then I will switch into Spanish, and I will go back to English. Sometimes, you know, I... I prefer to pray from my heart, and I do it that way. Lord, I want to thank you this morning for the opportunity of being here with all these beautiful people, with your church. Lord, we know that the harvest is ready. The harvest is plentiful. And what we need the most are laborers. And I pray for Nicaragua and our ministry, all our dreams of getting a center that is going to help us to train the next generation of pastors, church planters, and missionaries. And I pray for United States. I pray for this church that you give us the passion to go out and reach out to our neighbors, to our own country. Lord, I pray that you lay in our hearts that passion of stand up every morning and give you the best that we have. And that each one of us will find our place in the body of Christ and become active, reaching out, sharing your good news, sharing you, Jesus. Señor, yo te pido que tu Espíritu Santo nos guíe, que tú nos des ese poder que necesitamos y que juntos podamos alcanzar las naciones con tu poder y tu mensaje. Lord, we pray that you bless us, bless our families, take care of us and help us to dream big and to be faithful, courageous, compassionate, and committed to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.